0: Mirrors Podcast. My name is Keith. And I'm Kim. And this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and see God, not to it to primarily just see ourselves. All right, so we're in the thick of 1 Chronicles. Now, we're past all the, just a lot, of ton of genealogies and names.
1: Y'all made it. Yeah, y'all made it. Y'all yeah. made it.
0: Now we get more narrative, right? right? Like he gets interesting with narrative, but selective with narrative very too. Very selective. Yes. And so what I love though, at the very beginning in 1 Chronicles 9, he says, um, he just gives a short statement about mm-hmm. how they got here. Make right. no mistake, right? Israel and Judah, basically he said he says, was exiled because of unfaithfulness. 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 There's many, many ways to say the same thing. But, hey, he could have said, you know, idolatry, he could have said a lot of things. But ultimately, you were unfaithful to a guy who's been faithful to you. Exactly. And ultimately, what I just took from that was, man, success in the believer's life looks like faithfulness, right? Right. Like, it's not about writing the most books, preaching all the conferences, right? It's not about any of that. It's just about being faithful, hearing good, Mm -hmm. well done, good and faithful servant at the end of your life. That is a that is a dream that everybody can aspire to as a Christian mm-hmm. and achieve, right? Right, right? And so that should be our ultimate aim and ultimate
1: goal. It is. And the fact, again, it's how he uses this as cliff notes. He mm-hmm. just uses that one line, unfaithful. Yep. They know what they did to get in exile. Right. They right. have their history. They know the story. You all have been reading. So you know the history of what they did in order to get to this place. Yeah. But it's interesting as he goes through chapter 9, You'll see numbers there. And to know that when you read as you go on, you've seen genealogies before and you've seen census where they talk about how large they were. Yeah. And I'm struck by the fact that these numbers are small. Mm. Like it was a remnant returning. You have like 690 people and 956 people considering mm. there were thousands and thousands. He said, we got to this place where there's only a few of you coming back because of your unfaithfulness. Now we need to get it right.
0: Yes. And, and what I want to do point out it just hit me in this moment. One is the fact that this is partial fulfillment, right? Mm-hmm. So the Bible will um say that God is gonna do something and he doesn't do it all at one time. Right. Right. So like God says, Yo, David, you're gonna have a son to sit on the throne forever. He gives him Solomon. That's partially partially. Yeah, partially, right? Exactly. But he's also me talking about Jesus. Right. So when he even talks about in Deuteronomy, he says, Yo, y'all gonna mess this up. Then I'm going to take y'all away, but I'm going to restore y'all. This is not the full restoration. It is not. Right? So the people are coming back into the land, but they're going to have to wait, wait, for over 400 years mm-hmm. before the Christ, the God man comes, the true right. son of David, and he really restores not just Israel, but like, the, world, the world, right, the universe to himself. Um, and so this is a partial fulfillment of that. Now, in 10, though, we have Saul. Saul's story. And he keeps talking
1: about, again, we keep talking about how his emphasis is on them getting it right. And so even Mm -hmm. in chapter 9, after that long chapter in 6, talking about the Levites, he brings them up again. Yeah. And he talks about these are the things that they are going to do. These are their roles. And then he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, we need to talk about Saul. This is what got y'all in trouble. And he gives Saul's lineage and Saul's story. But he doesn't tell all of Saul's story. He's like, you know what he did? I'm just going to get to the death of Saul and how we got to David's line, because again, that's his focus. How do we get to David's line?
0: Yeah, and that's the thing too. Like, again, he's selective. He could have talked about the fact that Saul, at the beginning of his reign, was do- was doing it. By all the right. councils, like, oh, this is the guy we wanted, right? Right. But what he does is, especially in verse thirteen of chapter ten, he says Saul died for his unfaithfulness to the Lord, mm-hmm. right? Because he did not keep the Lord's. Word, he even consulted a medium for guidance, right? Exactly, but he did not inquire of the Lord. So, what did God do because of that? So, the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse, just like Kim said. And we're finna see, we're about to see a highlight reel.
1: (laughs) It is, I mean, it's in terms of of his life like the reality of here it is God gave him this position Saul this position as yes. king he allowed them to put king to put David I mean Saul is this king yeah and then the fact that you mentioned he went to a medium he didn't even seek the Lord like at all when he couldn't figure out what to do next it didn't cross his mind let me go talk to the Lord it's let me go talk to the medium mm-hmm. and find out if I can talk to Samuel instead yeah. of And he is the one who put them in exile and told them that they couldn't practice their craft in the first place. So Mm. just to see how twisted his mind had gotten to that point.
0: Yeah, I love the fact that you talked about seeking the Lord because that's something that David. He's going to contrast David sought the Lord, right? Always sought the Lord, sought the Lord, sought the Lord, sought the Lord constantly. And for us, that is something as uh, it can be hard, but something as uh, simple. Mm -hmm. maybe is the word not necessarily easy all the time but something as simple as seeking the lord is something that pleases the lord right right? like we we have so many things especially in this age we could try to go to to get revelation to get Mm -hmm. um guidance to get uh the plan for our lives but god is like no i'm the revealer of all things right like you come to me and so in chapter 11 the text makes an important Mm. term and stays on the same street for a long time a long, a long. It starts
1: out all Israel came together yeah. So Saul destroyed everything mm-hmm. And here it is David has unified people And all of them came together To the point that when, when David was running Some of Saul's own people Defected to David Like right. we, know yeah, we know Who this you are We yeah. know that God is on your side yeah. And we know that God is not with him So we are going to follow you
0: absolutely and man like that's so good you said that kim because i just looked at the fact that you know david he becomes king he's anointed over israel right then he captures the city of the jebusites right which means which later becomes jerusalem Jerusalem, yes city of peace the city of peace Mm -hmm. yeah yeah like literally that shalom at the end is from shalom peace absolutely and um and it's strategically located. It's strategically located. Yeah. Talk right. about that. Yeah.
1: Very intentional as far as where it's located between. He's unifying and it's between Israel and Judah. Oh, so, so good. The place where the city of David, where he eventually bring everything as the center is right in the middle. Like, no, we're coming together. What Saul mm. destroyed in his disobedience. Mm. God is saying, I'm going to use David to bring back around full circle and again towards me.
0: Absolutely. And Jerusalem literally uh, is called... Uh, the city or here it's the city of the Jebusites but then it's called the city of David right so David hear this like, not a street like not a street a city <laughs> like we have Martin Luther King drive in every state in the south <laughs> but Martin Luther King doesn't have a city right like David mm. was so big time you go to Luke 2 mm. you hit you see the birth of Jesus right. it's in the city of David right. even in that time It was that so David is this prominent. Listen, the chronicler is trying to show: Hey, David is this paradigm king, whom all the other kings, right? The kingdom starts with David. The other kings come from, and and literally the other kings were compared Mm -hmm. to David. David is even even though not perfect, and we'll talk about that more later. He's not perfect, but he is this paradigm king for Israel, right? And verse nine of chapter eleven will even say. David steadily grew more powerful, and the Lord was with him.
1: And the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. As opposed to how the Lord walked away from Saul because of his disobedience. And even they talked about how instead of fighting against God's word and promise like Saul did, mm. like they joined in because they saw that David was committed to the Lord and his right. word. So
0: Right, absolutely. And even there the success they're going to talk about you know just in chapter 11 and 12 uh, specifically
1: the lord gave them great victory the lord
0: gave him great victory mm-hmm. like david is this beastly and we talked about this a little earlier. beast beast like military leader and we mm-hmm. have to understand all right in this culture that was the way things were settled right it was a right. very militaristic culture and people fought over land over uh property over possessions um and over uh, rights and so David in God works in human culture David is this great military king mm-hmm. and one of the things that I, I think that um, people don't realize Kim is that in many ways when you look at especially in the Psalms like David wrote a bunch of songs right but even uh, in the historical books salvation Uh, literally meant for them a lot of times being saved from their enemies right so when david is like writing the psalms and he's like yo save us from our enemies that's salvation to the Mm -hmm. people if you ask these people like how are y'all gonna be saved it's like yo god is gonna raise up a king Mm -hmm. or a leader for us to save us from our enemies so this is why though kim like we talked about second temple judaism so they're about to build the new temple uh, had been going for hundreds of years and they're expecting a Davidic Messiah. Right. So they expect the Messiah to be like David. To be like David. The military. A military leader who's knocking enemies' heads off. And he's like, no. Nope. he's like, nah, nah. The kingdom's upside down, right? Like, we're going to do this a whole different way. I'm going to go to the right. cross. But we can see why the expectation would be that way. Mm-hmm. However, God does have continuity with the Old Testament because Jesus. Saves us from our ultimate enemy. Right. Satan. Satan. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's not that it's not that David is arbitrarily just killing folks, right? He's saving God's people. And they get victory because he gets victory.
1: Right. And I like even the reality you talk about Jesus, like ultimately at the end, Jesus does it alone. I love how here we see that David couldn't have done it by himself. And they talk mm-hmm. about these mighty men. The 30 and then his best supporters and all of these people that fought with him because as great of a king as he was, he still needed people who were committed to him. One of the Mm -hmm. stories that we talked about that I love is how he mentioned that he was thirsty.
0: Oh, yeah. 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 (laughs) And then,
1: you know, they three of them went over into the Philistines camp, broke Mm -hmm. camp to try to get David a drink of water and they bring it back and he pours it out. And my first thought when I read that was like, I would be hot. I Why went into the that? enemy camp. Why would you pour it out? But he yeah. poured it out as an offering so because Lord. he was overwhelmed with gratitude at the fact that God would give him people who were so committed to God first, yeah. but committed to who God put in place through David, that they were willing to risk their lives just for him to get a drink of water. Yeah. And so that shows a commitment that, I mean... I don't know that I'm that commitment committed, but yeah, yeah. to be able to see the people that God placed around him in order to do what God said he was going to do. He didn't leave him alone to figure it out on his own. Mm. He put people in his life and his family. We talked about Joab was actually his nephew. And yeah. um, when you look at the genealogy earlier, you would see, you know, it mentions David's sister's name is Zariah. Zariah. Joab mm. was Zariah's son. Yeah. And so it wasn't just friends. Joab was like, I'm killing everybody. I'm going in, taking things out. He took whole cities and told Mm. David at one particular time, oh, you know, this city going to be in my name unless you come fight. Mm. Um, And so just the reality that it wasn't just the people who were friends, but he had family members who joined in that God raised up to help him in this process. So
0: yeah. And and the fact that God doesn't just use... Person, right? Like you said, he uses a people to bring about his purposes to the world. And as Christians, we have to remember that we can't do this alone, right? Like we we stand on the shoulders of the cross and the resurrection for sure. But at the same time, we are the body Mm -hmm. of Christ. And God uses all of us to bring about his blessing and
1: we get to celebrate it together that was one of the things that struck out in chapter 12 stuck out to me yeah the joy the joy yeah these people came together to support what it is God was doing through and in David and they celebrated they did it with joy they brought things to celebrate together
0: Jesus is our ultimate king and in our submission to his victory at the cross and the resurrection We have joy to celebrate together as we live out God's purposes. Amen.